Hey game friends, GM John here. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up for this episode so you know what you're hearing. Rather than playing in this episode, we'll be talking about the first season of After the Bomb, Pursuit of Knowledge that we've just wrapped, answering some listener questions about the campaign, and talking about some things that we've got planned for the future. Listener discretion is definitely advised on this one as we get a little potty mouth because we're tired and just coming off of ending a game. If you haven't listened to the campaign already, we recommend you go do so. Otherwise, most of this is going to sound like a lot of weird gibberish. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the madness. What's up, game friends? This is GM John here with the Real Play Games podcast, a podcast where I play through a number of tabletop role-playing games with my friends, some of them pretty obscure and some of them pretty popular. The games are your friends. I'm I'm pretty obscure. <laughs> See, which one of us is popular? All right. If it's a choice, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. I could see we were having the same thought. Oh, as soon as I started speaking and saw your face, I knew you were thinking the same thing. <laughs> Rude, too. And he started laughing. I was like, I can, oh. I'm going to be cutting so much out of this episode. Crap. <laughs> We're just high on the success of surviving a campaign. Yeah, no kidding. And maybe some catnip. (laughs) Yeah. What's up, game friends? Welcome to the Real Play Games podcast, a podcast where I, your GM, John, talk to my friends about a... What? Why are you fucking laughing? You're doing so good. (laughs) I'm purposefully not making eye contact. off i don't know what's wrong all right i'm gonna do this one more time and we're using this take regardless i'm gonna cover my mouth so i don't i'm just gonna hear (laughs) you don't have to see me welcome game friends to the real play games podcast a podcast where i your game master john talk with my friends about an RPG that we just played. If you're catching this episode right now, go back and listen to the past 10 episodes before this one, because otherwise this one's just going to suck and sound like super narcissism. With me today, as always, are going to be my friends. We're going to go ahead and start with Rue. I'm Rue. Uh, I play Black Moon, the wet furred cat man with the cat plan and addicted to cat nip. <laughs> Shooting from the cat hip. <laughs> I am Obi. I've been playing Arlo Diggs, Honey Badger, with strong family ties. Well, I mean, he's one less now, but oh no, that's horrible. Jesus. Wow, yeah. (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) Again, if this is your first episode, you've made a horrible mistake. Go back 10 episodes before this one and start there instead, I beg of you. I'm Ames. I play Dr. Baranosi, who recently got her very nice promotion in the Academic Underground, a Black Bear mechanic now working on a doctorate in Lancaster. Ooh, so fancy with the doctorate. I know. I love the emphasis on it. <laughs> Bara is very proud. Oh, yeah. I mean, and especially because it's entirely merit-based. And I'm Harm. I play Liblet Thumblejump, a frack rat chimera. She's naive to a fault and occasionally actually helpful. (laughs) And we just finished recording the first season of After the Bomb, Pursuit of Knowledge. After the Bomb is a role-playing game from Palladium Books that is set in a post-apocalyptic sapient animal future. 
If you're interested in After the Bomb, the role-playing game, or the rest of the Palladium's Megaverse role-playing games, you can feel free to check them out at www.palladiumbooks.com. Folks, how does it feel to survive yet another campaign of mine, the first one we've recorded? I'm going to miss Liblet. Why was such a nice outlet for me. (laughs) It was so much fun. I'm surprised. I was probably the most reluctant one to play After the Bomb. It just didn't strike my fancy that much. So I probably was the one who was least excited and least interested. And it very quickly became like what I looked forward to. Like we would be, I'd be like, this week can we get to record? (laughs) So that was really nice. And it was kind of nice having the recording as an onus for us to actually get together and play. You know, it's I wasn't as likely to blow it off because I'd had a bad week or something like I would normally. Deadlines help. True. <laughs> so true. I found it really interesting this time playing. I generally don't ever play a leader or leader type. So having people look to Bara was definitely different for me and fun. What about playing um, like the strong, giantly character? crazy strong character? <laughs> yeah, because you've really not done that. <laughs> that is now my favorite thing to do in the world, and <laughs> <laughs> that this might become a new norm. <laughs> Give me access to chuck of airplanes. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Lifting cars up. <laughs> Just carrying that car was was a feat. And I think Jack not named Jack Job. i thought that that whole first insect encounter really kind of set the tone which was nice i i think the tone was set even just with the dogs because you were ready to (laughs) mark them completely Bara was so different from any of the other characters you played because she was kind of cold and calculating and distant and it was really cool to see Makes, makes me think I probably need to change her character. She, I don't know that she qualifies as scrupulous anymore. Yeah, there was a little bit of it. I think she's unprincipled at this point. For I mean, certain. she gave her word and she kept it. So her word just sometimes and was offering meat and blood. From what I saw, the scruples of the academic underground, I think she's scrupulous as hell. I mean, they don't believe in cannibalism, but they're okay with feeding people to animals. Like, that's fine. <laughs> Those are her scruples. <laughs> and now, when you were originally making your characters, like what what was in your minds when you were making them? I know everybody rolled for their education level randomly, but a couple of you kind of built it out, and then of course, there's harm. I rolled everything randomly. I felt like I was as I was rolling my character. I was like, she's such a Mary Sue, like. I'm like, I'm special looking and I'm clumsy and <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so part of my creation of Liblet was looking at like what kind of like a special main character that I was rolling and being like, but what if she's Gurr? <laughs> <laughs> and when I rolled the Frack Rat Chimera, I think one of the driving forces was I was looking at the book and they have these set chimera types that have this like built in history with them, like the pleasure bunnies existing before kind of the bombs dropped and everything. And I was like kind of struck by this notion of what if they're new, like a new species, because those have been popping up. And so when I took that with this concept of a character that's kind of got like the Mary Sue qualities built in from what I had randomly rolled because I went random for everything I could, I was like, well, that's kind of fun. It's fun to, and so everything about Liblet was kind of centered around her species being new and this like quest for a home, which I thought was just 
super adorable and I don't know she just she was so adorable as soon as I started creating her I was like she's so cute I can't make her mean because that's also kind of I think tropey is to have like the adorable like character that's like got a like a, has a real hard line oh yeah like Belkar bitterly way. for something like that like the the tiny asshole yeah and I was like with the other characters that you guys were creating you know we had Arlo who's like kind of cool and collected and that type of character and we had you know Bly who was also kind of like a, a main character with the way that like he's you know, got the white fur and is, you know, on this like kind of quest from his people and Bara, who's this smart, big calculating character that it felt like having somebody that was a little less, just less period would be fun to add to the group. Um, so sorry, I kind of added a sandbag, but <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But it also didn't help that I just rolled poorly constantly. So <laughs> that wasn't great. But yeah, that was uh, my main inspiration for Liblet was I wanted to have something that was fun. And once I kind of locked into the concept of a new species, it all just kind of came out like, how would you fit into an existing society if you're a brand new species that doesn't know anything? And I thought the answer was you don't. <laughs> you would be outsiders because you don't know anything like you're it's like letting a bunch of like toddlers loose in the world and expecting them to just naturally join society and I didn't think that would happen so I was like they'll be thieves at first because you wouldn't know that you're not allowed to take stuff but by the time you figure that out you'd have this reputation and how do you fight against that hmm. thank you for coming to my TED talk <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I put way too much into my characters anyway just going forward for any listeners I guess <laughs> I'm gonna oh, way over conceptualize it all <laughs> <laughs> Rue, you're the same way, though. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah. You guys don't know a lot of what Bly's backstory is, but... Uh, <laughs> it's actually... <laughs> there's a question specifically, and I quote from Chris. Let me get it pulled up really quick. We were going to do a Q&A later, but here's the question for you, just so you know people want to know. What is Bly Moon's family and background like? I keep hearing <laughs> about it, but I want to know more. Uh, well, Bly comes from a, like a guerrilla warfare group of cats. He wasn't human enough for them to really worry about. So they just kind of let him do his own thing and they would mess with him and tease him all the time. So that's how he learned to be scrappy. Cause he was <laughs> Cause too he had human. To fight off, he had to fight off all these big, big human looking cats as opposed to his half human part. And they didn't care enough to teach him to read. They didn't care enough to teach him a lot of other things. He knew how to fight and he knew how to shoot. They learned how to do some like some things, but most of it was self-taught. And he, <laughs> no wonder he doesn't know how to handle somebody trying to be his friend. Yeah, <laughs> never happened. Well, see, that's the thing. Like with Bara, he this was like the first person that really wasn't mean to him. He was like, "Oh yeah, I'll go with you. I'll get, take money. I don't really know what that is, but yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I need to prove to my that I'm really good." And then, like, Bara was nice. Everyone else was nice. That's why he really is, like, this is his new family, his people. Like, he's going to take, he probably, he took, a, like, a piece of the helicopter, helicopter, lay one of the blades from it. So if, if he sees any of his family, he can show them that he took to help take down a helicopter. That's adorable. That so cute. And it's so cute because, like, a typical cat, he doesn't express a lot of that outwards. He's just around. And him being there is kind of like, yeah, I like you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like if you were to like even even like if you kick at a cat, if there's food there, he's gonna come back. Yeah. So like that's why he stayed with his family for so long. And then finally he's just like, I'm gonna go somewhere else to see where it is. And then he found someone they offered to give him money and 
So, I mean, he wasn't like a terrible thing because he didn't, they fed him still, but they just like, they're like, you're, you're not human enough. Yeah. And you're not cat enough to sneak in places and sneak out unknown to people. So we can't really work. In the middle, he's not cat enough to join the more cat people and not human enough to be with the humans. And oh, it's really sad. (laughs) I feel like a lot of kinship with that. Like, like that's the thing. Like, whenever he was saying by the bar, like he, like whenever he was asking, he's like, "Yeah, I want to go kill dogs. That sounds fun." But he's like, "I don't want to leave Bara. Like, Bara's yeah. nice." And that's why he, I teared up a lot when I was giving her the radio because he's like, "This is my friend, my person that I, I know now, and they know how to get me." And that he really wanted to make sure Bara knew that he wasn't leaving her; he was going to be back. That felt so significant. And then when Bara would play the music for him, I was just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had a hard time handling that one. Even I. And, you know, this is I would have to say, honestly, this is probably one of maybe three campaigns that I've run where I've actually had a super emotional response to the ending. Because, you know, I've, it's been 32 years. I've run a lot of stuff during that period of time. But like. This one got right underneath my skin for some reason. This one got me in the feel box. I just, every time I picture the game, it's an anime in my head. Like, <laughs> it just is. It's that type of artwork. And I just had this, such this clear image of like Bara in this workshop, putting the like r- helmet over the radio and turning it on and Bly like on the roof of a van, staring up at the stars, like listening to it. And it was just like, oh my heart. Oh gosh. <laughs> Maybe okay, some fireflies now- <laughs> blinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need we need to commission that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that is so cute. <laughs> yeah, flies like <laughs> it's, it's his family now. He even though he all, I always said he was going to eat Liblet, he really wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about um, Arlo? Because Arlo was a really interesting character. Like he didn't say a lot, but everything he did was so stylized in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he was a bit laconic, but I sometimes had to remind myself that he wasn't as unsociable as I am. (laughs) (laughs) And he could be friendly, but not a boisterous sort. When I would re-listen to some of the episodes to remember what had happened before we recorded again, it was always really fun to listen to Arlo because you wouldn't hear anything from him and then you would just say something and it would crack me up. (laughs) <laughs> How is he so funny? He's just like steps in to like drop a line and then leaves. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so is Bly planning on, is he going to go back to his family after he does the dog boys? Is he looking for more trophies to take back? Um, what do you think would happen with that? I think he's going to go back to Bara. Bara's their mommy now. Family. Yeah. Bara's, <laughs> he, if he sees his family or hears his family as well, he might go see him, but. They never really cared about him, so he doesn't really need to. He wants. He wanted. He went out to prove himself, but he found a family instead, and so he doesn't need to go back to his family to prove himself. Oh, that is so cool! <laughs> Just like quiet arc that was happening behind the scenes. I love it. Yeah, and I, I know it wasn't like out there, but I was just trying to like, like if you guys never really, like we never like he if you would have. I think it was yeah. shown more than told. You know, with the whole radio thing and. He took care of Liblet. <laughs> yeah, like he, he always he would, came up with like an excuse for it, but it, it kind of felt like he was justifying it because he didn't want to admit that he just didn't want Liblet to die. Yeah, <laughs> only I can like, eat her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you mastered the cat-like attitude. I think. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I thought of all my cats, you know, growing up, and 
now and try to vision a person like that. <laughs> you did good. He was very cat-like in everything he did. <laughs> I don't like you, but it's just a coincidence that I'm always in the same room as you. <laughs> and he might start warming up to different different species more now because, again, he grew up with all cats. Yeah. So that's why he was so weirded out by all these other creatures. And <laughs> Well, I mean, he got warm with Carlos Himbo. <laughs> cats and rabbits are pretty close, though. Cabot. Cabot, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. I'm going to spring one on you guys at some point. It's going to be a real messed up mutant, too. <laughs> gonna be able to jump to the moon i also now looking back knowing what you were saying about bly moon it almost feels like his liaison with the pleasure bunny was almost like a subconscious test of the group yeah because they accepted it they accepted him there wasn't like nothing was made of it you know it almost feels like looking back on it that that's kind of what he was doing was was making sure that i don't know they were trustable that they yeah. weren't judgy or you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah. Now oh, I have he's to, a really good dancer. Who knew? He is an amazing <laughs> dancer. I have to say that. <laughs> now, what did you guys expect from after the bomb before we started playing? Like when we originally got the character sheets made and like I you had the vague background on it and the chance to look through the books. How did that compare to what ended up happening? I had super low expectations, as I may have mentioned. It, the setting didn't really appeal, like, didn't call to me that much. It was just a setting. So I was definitely pleasantly surprised. I mean, I liked how the skills were used. I think the combat was still a little confusing, even at the end for me, um, how many actions I had or how many I'd spent while I was going through it. But, I mean, you're there to manage all that. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of high expectations. I didn't really know where the story was going to go. It felt so open and so foreign to any other settings that I'd seen that I was like, I don't know what story you tell with this. And I also was really hoping it wasn't going to be super dark because the setting definitely has the potential to be really gross and dark and grim. And I think we definitely avoided that. I guess part of my creation of Liblet was probably a subconscious attempt to subvert (laughs) that and make sure it couldn't happen (laughs) because what kind of monster would put Liblet through all of that? (laughs) (laughs) especially tonally speaking uh, there's like you said kind of that anime-ish quality to it when you think about it and that's a really big feel that i got from the book it was you know again originally based on a tmnt property and the funny thing is i had just stopped playing with teenage mutant ninja turtles when i got into rpgs so at the time when it was still in publication there wasn't really a chance that I was going to pick it up and play it just because of the fact that I was like, oh, but it's Ninja Turtles. And it's I'm for too cool. babies. Yeah, I'm too cool for Ninja Turtles. I don't want to play that game. And like, I kick myself for it because, you know, after having discovered this, I was like, I've gone back and actually gotten a couple of the old Ninja Turtles books and they would have been just an ass ton of fun to play with like my teenage buddies and stuff, especially like get a little drunk or something. Oh, my God would have been shenanigans but you made it seem very anime-ish i think from the first part of us playing so i think that really helped set it too i wanted it to have a lighter tone because it did just with the naked coyotes those dog things were coyotes like that alone it's just like a bonkers entry into the game and so i wanted to kind of modulate that be like all right not everything is this weird cronenbergian body horror stuff which was great i read this book 
I think, Ams, you might have read it, The Call, about the girl who's on crutches in a world where the fae come back and take everybody on a hunt when they reach a certain age. Oh, gosh, years ago, yeah. Yeah, and there was this horrific scene in the book where the girl's in the fae lands or whatever, and there's these dogs hunting her, but it's previous kids who've been transformed into dogs. So they're like naked humans that are like crawling around with all these wrong joints and like their bodies are dragging on the ground. So they're constantly cutting themselves open and just bleeding. And that was the first thing I thought when I saw it, but you did such a good job of making it not that. <laughs> Cause that was immediately where my head went was directly to that scene. And I was like this, if you would have gone that route with after the bomb with what we were playing, it would have been a nightmarish land that I would not have wanted to participate <laughs> in. Those part human dragonflies that we made up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. If anything, you guys came up with way worse stuff than I did over the course of this game. But all of that's potential in the book. True. Yeah. yeah, very true. So you kind of have to pick the tone you want. Yeah. But what about you guys? Did you have any expectations for it? Because I don't think anyone else has had even any real experience with Palladium other than the game we played with Cowgirl. Right. And that was only a couple of us, so yeah, that's um, kind of a one shot. Yeah, that was a similar system. And I think Rue, I, I want to say we've tried one once before. We may have just made characters for it and never actually played it, though. Was it like one, an online thing we did? It might have been. I think though we did Rifts, which is an entirely different setting. That's oh, like no. gods versus mice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, no, like, rips are like God level characters, and then these ones are definitely like. Yeah. I mean, I could probably oh, yeah. fight Liblet. Bly, Bly was impervious to explosions. Like, <laughs> just yeah, you rolled so well through all. Of <laughs> Bly thinks he's a god now. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting starting this one because, like you said, this isn't one that we've kind of ever done before, so it was very. Like, I didn't really have an expectation going in because I didn't know what to expect. But I guess I did kind of expect more interspecies conflict. So I'm actually kind of glad that wasn't there because we all just kind of pulled together and were like, yeah, we're going to go explore these places because that's what we've been hired to do. And that's not a problem at all. It doesn't matter that you're a frack rat and two of us are carnivores. And <laughs> I liked that it was hinted at in the universe, like the whole prairie dogs are apparently at war with the cows like that kind of stuff was cool but i did like that this game could easily become a very big metaphor for a lot of real world problems that i game to get away from yeah the real world stuff is something i was thinking uh especially this time that other rpgs it seems that there's the quest you you have steps you're always gonna fulfill the quest whatever it is but sometimes during this i was thinking I might actually have to make good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's less of like a funnel towards the goal. Like it felt like any decision you make could knock you off the path. Yeah. Sometimes I had to say, I am speaking radio jargon. I don't know how to, but that's <laughs> what my character is doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our like, radio etiquette was oh, so sloppy. My, oh my grandpa's God. rolling right now. We've automatically <laughs> been banned from the use of any ham radio in the United States because yeah. of this broadcast. <laughs> we have to go like three miles out into the ocean if we want to use a radio ever again. Funny story. 
I was just gifted a ham radio for my birthday. Oh my god! Oh my gosh, that's so cool though. Gotta figure out how to use it. <laughs> oh, that's such a neat hobby though. Well, yeah. the next time that we ever do anything with these characters, then you'll be able to correct me. No problem. Yeah. I'm to do it. I'll be yeah. like, well, uh, actually, you don't get that frequency <laughs> in the mountains or whatever. <laughs> actually, you would have to have a relay system. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, talking about like the decisions to be made. Like I remember at the very beginning, it was, "Do you want to take this road or this road?" And I'm like, "Wait, we get to choose? I don't know what to choose. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I know I'm driving, but how am I supposed to choose?" And us two couldn't help. Like two of us couldn't help because we had no idea what to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do love that we both decided to be illiterate and unable to read maps. <laughs> I didn't realize that was this. I, I know this is terrible. But I didn't realize that was a thing. I didn't see it in the thing. So I, w- I would have chose, I probably, I'm happy I didn't choose literacy because it made a more interesting character, I think, for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and here's well, and the it- funny thing. That actually kind of ties into another question that somebody had sent in for us. The question was, it was from La La Valier, which like, I think that's a lamp. My French it. sucks, but it, it's, I think it's like the lamp. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, they, their question was, was the plan to have the group head to a certain spot with priority? Or was this more of an open-ended game? <laughs> You're going to talk about how we went at it backwards? <laughs> <laughs> the goal well, is not something we did, but... <laughs> it's, it's partially my fault because they stress to you. They're like, oh, yeah, these people are missing and you're all not playing psychopaths. So naturally, like, you're probably going to head there first. But I also considered, well, there's as equally likely a possibility that they're going to want to do the whole circuit first because they'll think they can find a bunch of stuff that will help them before they get there. Because you folks. I forgot we had a goal, just so you know, like I didn't realize we were supposed to hit them in a specific order or anything. I just was like, I guess we make a circle because they said a circle. Yeah, and there was no. Me and Liblet operate on the same level when it comes to planning. (laughs) I was going to say, like, that was good for Liblet and Bly because I was like, Wait, we have to go. We have certain spots we have to hit. <laughs> Where are we going again? Why are we in this car? <laughs> Who can I shoot? That's all I want to know. <clears throat> and but blow things up. <laughs> the funny thing is, I had the adventure set up so that depending on when you went to certain points, certain things would have happened. So if you had have gone all the way around, you'd have never met any of the rodent cartel. Oh wow. <laughs> that would have changed everything. They probably you mentioned- to me that when we first got off the ferry and there was that place and we're like, yeah, we're going to head on out. And you're like, all right. And so we headed out. You were like, yeah, I had so much stuff planned for that spot. And you guys were just like, and we're gone. <laughs> Every spot that you guys stopped in, I did this as a point style adventure where there it was just, I took the map and I put points down on the map where there were going to be encounter spots or towns or things <laughs> like that. And when you hit them or what order you hit them in was orchestrated to change certain events cause certain events not to happen i didn't do a huge amount of planning on it i spent like i guess a week scripting it out the first day i rolled all the encounters randomly i spent an entire day just rolling dice using the book to create random encounters that i then kind of cast a net over and tied together thematically into law adventure and i made sure to like have more special stuff at the three different places that you were supposed to visit. Did we hit all three places? No. You hit one out of three. This is like, (laughs) if this was a video game, I would 
right now be creating a new character to play through and <laughs> see what oh. happened in all the other places. <laughs> to, to go find Redding in West, Westchester, yeah. yes. I would be yeah. like, what What did I miss? I missed so much. <laughs> I would be replaying it to see all the possible endings. <laughs> oh, wait. I, I, I know you told me where my family was, but where were they again? Family? They're located in a place in current world called Downingtown, Pennsylvania, but they call it Meowingtown. <laughs> of course they do. And it's near a city called Coatesville, which is known as Coltsville. In after uh, these, I'm making these ones up. These are not canon, so don't like contact Palladium and be like, "Oh, where where are these?" And wow. there is a, a a kind of a Cold War brewing between your people and. A town over from Coltsville, actually a town and a village over from Coltsville, is another town called Pomeranian. It's <laughs> actually, it's Pomeroy, but it's called Pomeranian and after the bomb, based on me. And there's there's a war between the cats and dogs there. It's yeah. up. How far is that from Philly? Uh, like, an, I think like an hour, hour and a half if you were traveling in a modern day vehicle. A few days walking. Okay. Maybe like five total. If we were really like, close to my family. Yeah. <laughs> you were close enough to your family that if you probably... Your family... Uh, sorry, your family might hear rumors of what you did. You'll probably see like markers bordering the 76 where your family has left markings and stuff. But yeah, they <laughs> totally could hear rumors of the white cat that took down a helper copper. Yeah. Well, they know what it is. I, I, I just picture I just picture Bly hearing something wrong and just saying it that way for the rest of his life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so there wasn't any point where I was trying to funnel you guys to a certain spot. I wanted, I know that I've run a lot of adventures with you where there's always a main plan or a main storyline and you kind of follow that. I wanted to give you one where you could stretch your legs a little bit and decide that there was some things that you wanted to do or things that you didn't want to do instead. Yeah, I think it took us kind of a little bit to figure that out. But once we did, things ran a lot smoother. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually so a couple of other people sent questions, which I was surprised about. It means people are listening. And that, of course, makes me feel wonderful. People actually sent in questions. Yeah, they sent in questions. Are they people we know? One of them is one of them is from our Patreon patron, our sole Patreon patron right now. But that actually, by the time this is being recorded, that could change, and we certainly hope it does. Uh, but that's yeah, I'd like to have more than one sugar daddy. So. Yeah, <laughs> give us those sweet bills if you want to keep getting this high quality content. Otherwise, I gotta go get a real job. Call them. Uh, what should we call them? Pod parents, <laughs> podrants. Yeah. Because they pay our bills. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, what was the motivation behind setting it Pennsylvania from them? It's really simple. Honestly, I was looking at the map in the book where Cardania is set pretty much right below Pennsylvania. You've got the location of Philly, which is like this independent region. The Empire of Humanity is in upstate New York, but they've got New Kennel, which is like the top part of New Jersey. And then the bottom part of New Jersey is like a free-for-all. And I just thought, well, they've explored a lot of the other stuff along the Atlantic coastline and everything. I want to see what I can play around with in the area, ironically, pretty close to where I grew up. Like, your family for Bly lives a town or two over from where I grew up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that whole area is actually places that i've trod numerous times i haven't been back there for like 20 years but 
you know, it's it, it was interesting. I knew the terrain a little bit better than I know a lot of the United States because I'm not good at history or geography. <laughs> and so I thought that it would make for a fun kind of no holds barred free for all area. And I think it worked out pretty good. Yeah. We have two other questions, actually, which, again, shocker city, but Cole Gutty, I believe is how it's pronounced at Gmail. Are there going to be any more seasons after this one? I want more. Well, thank you, first of all, Cole Gutty. (laughs) That's really sweet. I know. I would love to have more. Listening, right? (laughs) Yeah. I would love to have more seasons. I want to see what happens to all of them. I want to know if Liblet finds a home for her people. It feels like she's being torn between two men, one of which wants her to be in a democracy and one that wants her to join the mob. (laughs) And he doesn't realize what either of those things mean. So (laughs) I'd love to see how that resolves. I'd love to see where Bly Moon goes and if he can help, you know, save Piero's lady. I'd love to see if Arlo can help his people out or if he ends up like, I could totally picture him leading like a caravan to Bara of like refugees. And that would be a really cool story or starting the resistance or joining his sisters and Bara's like on this upward trajectory in her <laughs> career, but also in this like political intrigue. Oh, well, and I figured like with Bara, she's got this whole destroyed city that she can work on rebuilding yeah. and maybe Liblet's family finds a home there. Yeah. So there's so many cool stories that are still left to be told. And that's just what the characters we have. That's not considering if we wanted to tell like a completely different story in After the Bomb. Oh, yeah, because I mean, the great thing is here's here. I'm just going to throw a couple of these little seeds out here for you and see which one. Yeah, Australia. You can figure out where the kangaroo genitals go. (laughs) (laughs) Are we really on the kangaroo genitals again? I had to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you wouldn't. (laughs) But yes, they have a book for Australia. Does Um, it talk about kangaroos? Not their genitals. What does it say, mention whether they wear clothes? No. None, none of these books, again, we talked about this one, too. None of the books address whether or not Donald Duck in it is appropriate. I'm, I'm even worse than Lublin on taking things on tangents. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized there's going to be a point in their journey that <laughs> Bly isn't going to hear the radio anymore. Yeah, oh, really sad no. for me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I just, again, in that anime. Why? No. I picture him on the roof of a van in different settings, just like listening and then sadly setting it down. No. Why but hey, if she gets that radio tower going, they'll they'll have a lot yes. more range. Yeah, that's yes. what he'll probably like. And just just imagine that night he's listening and he hears it. The little crackle as it as it comes into to hearing range and he <laughs> tail I did not the sign end. a permission slip for this field strip. oh my goodness but yeah Yeah. do you guys want to like what are your thoughts do you have stories you think you want to tell with this or would you continue with the same characters i think i always get pretty invested i don't like to just create somebody and then never come back to them and that happens but i always like to do more personally especially with how everybody else feels i mean that's again why i keep calling it the first season or series because like again if we're focusing on a certain character or pairing of characters 
if we end up picking to do Bly and Liblet and their experience going to Philly before he splits off and goes with Hero to go try and help his old lady or anything like that, I'm more than happy to explore that. And it might mean that other people might have to make new characters for the ride, but I'll try and integrate them as much of a fun way as possible. So, oh my gosh, I could be one of Arlo's sisters. <laughs> Let me fight him. Let me at him, brother. Let me at him. <laughs> That could be a lot of fun because it'd be fun to revisit each of them, but it would also be fun to play new characters in the setting. I play Bar's Bar's Foil. (laughs) (laughs) He's there to sabotage your work, (laughs) Bar. It's a workplace drama for a season. (laughs) (laughs) Petty workplace like issues. He jelloed my he jelloed my stuff again. My motorcycle, hands off. Did you move my stapler? <laughs> There's no cover report. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I feel like I left Liblet in the middle of starting some sort of war. So we're unleashing <laughs> something bad. <laughs> I mean, she I thought the- I thought Rod Rodman was going to pull up and shoot. Well, then, then I would have had to shoot because I was there to protect them. Yeah, I was like, is Livlet just like, hey, come slaughter this rodent caravan I was palling around with? Imogen Heaps, hide and seek, starts playing as soon as Rod Rodman pulls up. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> just slow motion, people shooting each other. Yeah. And we actually have one more. It's from, oh, okay, I'm going to, let me be an old man and clean my glasses real quick for this one because it looked like a dirty word for a second and it's not. There's an extra letter here. Dorngus or Dorngus. Thanks for the fun adventure. Is there ever going to be a point where you do a show every week? Oh, oh gosh. So that would be a lot. <laughs> it would be fun. I, I would. Yeah, it'd be fun. It would. I think one of the difficult parts is we all kind of have jobs and kids and lives and pets Other. and stuff. So we're not able to dedicate full time to recording anything. We kind of do this in snatches on the weekend, which is a lot of fun because it's what we normally do because we like the game. But I think if we were to be doing it weekly, we would probably need more Patreons or something to, <laughs> to help offset that because it would be a lot of work. And I guess I'm selfish because sometimes I would like to have a Saturday that's not a recording day. And it just, I mean, if you have kids, you need a Saturday as well to be with your kids because you get two days that you get to see them the whole day. And so I would feel really rotten asking that of anybody else in the group because you guys have other friends and other things that you do. I'm sure I'm not the center of your world. So, (laughs) so, you know, I think that's where the main issue comes. What I probably could see with the way we're recording things currently and the way that we're trying to schedule it is maybe not the same show coming out every week, but there might come a a time where we are able to have like two shows coming out. So, you know, one might be the first and second week of the month and the other show comes out the other two weeks. And that way we're able to constantly have cool stuff going out and people able to hear what we're doing. But that would probably come once we get a backlog, more of a backlog going. We're trying. We're working towards it. (laughs) It's the dream, but, you know, real life also gets in the way and people get sick or are tired or their kids get sick or tired or their dogs do or their cats. And we got to deal with that, too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the thing is, this episode will probably be airing based on my calculations on November 19th. 
It's August 8th currently that we're recording this right now. So we're already working on having a backlog, but hopefully within the next couple of months, we can be six, maybe seven or eight months backlogged out. I think once we hit a certain point where we've got a backlog of like maybe a year or more, that's when we'll be able to start having stuff where we're like, okay, well, we'll be able to start popping out an extra episode every you know make it an episode a week but it'll be two different stories being told so you'll be going back and forth between them yeah and i think that's going to happen sooner than we expect we're getting better at recording and faster at it and able to learning the tricks to not make john's life harder yeah (laughs) and i think we're also getting better about i don't know like i don't think our our style of gaming has changed that much with it being recorded other than I try not to curse as much because I don't want to make extra work or have to have like a harm uses really, really awful language in this. So please, please put on your headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do children with this. But (laughs) other than that, I think, I don't think our our style has changed. I think we've just gotten a little bit better about our timing and knowing when to kind of cut off an episode or knowing when to wrap for the night and that sort of thing. Yeah, agreed. I think we've also gotten better about being able to record multiple episodes because we just kind of go for three or four hours and that's able to be cut down. So that's helping too. We're also playing around with episode length. So some of the series coming up may be closer to 45 minutes or a half hour and some might be up to an hour and a half kind of average per episode. And we kind of want to play around with that and see because the longer episodes, are, of course, are longer recording times and we want them to be longer stories. Um, we don't want to like put out three hour and a half long episodes and have that be the show because that's kind of (laughs) lame yeah yeah not unless it's a story that can concisely be told in that amount of time yeah Um, and i have one more question actually i forgot that i have this one on here and this is from lanolin which is just a super cute name that i think that's the name of one of the sheep in the garfield show if i'm not mistaken the lanolin yeah isn't that the oil from sheep or like oil from something yeah, know. it's it's a yeah. sheep oil too, but I know Lanolin is also the name <laughs> of one of the two lambs uh, on the Garfield and Pals farm part. Yeah, it also sounds like it could be a frack rat name. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, Lanolin Tibble did it or something like that. <laughs> so, what's the question? <laughs> Let me get it back up real quick. Hang on a second. We're just gonna <laughs> talk about their name, and that's it. Thanks. <laughs> Everybody think hard about the answer and let's see if they get it. (laughs) My blind answer is purple platypus. That's my blind answer whenever someone can't remember their question. Uh, My guess for an answer is going to be maybe around Christmas, but if not, then definitely around Valentine's Day. Mine would be break the cycle of abuse. (laughs) (laughs) This is what Landolin said. Are you going to be using the Palladium system for all of your games? Well, I mean, I think we already, I feel like we answered that thoroughly before you even asked the question. Yes. February. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually, that might not be too far off. No, actually, I might be accurate. We are currently recording another Palladium game, a very different one. It's, gosh, I don't know how much to give away. Uh, The only thing that I've posted thus far on the internet for anything is that it's a cozy supernatural mystery. Yeah, that's everything about it. That's a, that's exactly <laughs> that's it. It's, <laughs> it's going to be with myself and Ams, and we are currently recording it, and it is very fun. 
I'm excited for it. I don't know how good we're going to be at mysteries. <laughs> I think you've seen what my deductive reasoning is throughout After the Bomb. So it <laughs> should be really fun. Uh, we have very different characters on that. So don't worry if you think it's going to be Bar and Liblet and solving crimes. As fun as that would be, that's not what this one is. Bar and Liblet. Oh Safety and animal detective. <laughs> <laughs> but um, After the Bomb, season three. Yeah. <laughs> Repalladium. I mean, I love the Palladium system. I know that the combat system can be a little much for some people. I think it strives to represent realism that I think, unfortunately, just most games can't provide, period. Any tabletop role-playing game, there's some separation from that. But they're very in-depth. And honestly, like the whole plan to do the After the Bomb was an idea that we had. And we kind of hit on it. And then I ended up going on Kevin Simbaida, the owner of Palladium Books' eBay store, and I bought a book from him. It was one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ones. And he contacted me and he's like, hey, do you want a, you know, a signature on this or anything like that before I send it out? And I was like, oh, yeah, we're actually you know, getting ready to start recording it after the bomb podcast. And he messaged back and he was like, well, hey, let us know, you know, when you get it ready to start releasing and we'll be more than happy to kind of give you a social media boost. And I was super just blown away by that offer. I mean, that's a company that's been in business, I think, 40 years this year now. I think it was as of like April, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he was so nice. He's like, if you need anything, if you need to use some artwork or something, just make sure it's credited. If you use any of the copyright stuff, just make sure you put the credit on there. And it was wild getting to have a person whose work I've read super extensively and for a long period of time, just be that open and accessible and nice. I'm used to having really nice reception from uh, like indie developers and stuff, which I guess, you know, you could technically term Palladium as because Kevin Simbae has owned the company for 40 years. But at the same time, it's really refreshing to see a bigger company be so responsive and so kind. And I really I want to thank them for that. That was really a nice experience to have working on this. I also like to thank them for continuing to promote us even after listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, are we even doing this right? Like, what if they listen and they're like, guys, like, did you read the book? (laughs) (laughs) You know what we were going for, right? (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Their encouragement has been nothing short of phenomenal. And it's it's been super nice. Wow. Yeah, that's all the questions. I'm shocked that we had so many to answer in the first place. Now, I guess before we wrap, do you guys have any questions for each other? I'm trying not to be the loudest person on this. I talk a lot. I know that. And Liblet talks a lot. So the cross section of that, and I know I'm hogging the mic. So well, if you have one, why don't you start? And maybe I have, I'm not asking of some. No, you guys think I'm a good stumper. Do you guys have any favorite scenes? Damn it. Why am I like this? <laughs> I, just, I thought of it and it came out my mouth and I was trying hard to be quiet, but I forgot to be quiet because I was thinking about the question. It's a little bird in your mouth. My scene. Like, <laughs> what were you saying? I, I, my favorite scene is the one where I was blown out of the clock tower. The, the yeah. tower. That's yes. literally my favorite. I just picture the anime, you know how the anime is just like, like splayed out and just spinning. I just yeah. picture that as, as him. <laughs> <laughs> Picking favorites hard. <laughs> 
You got a list of which ones are coming to mind first? I personally still oh, remember man. the one where she's when where Barra was like, oh, I can pick up a car. <laughs> I had to ask you first. I was like, how heavy is a car? <laughs> I really loved the scene where Barra was like, if they don't like academics, then they don't deserve academic benefits. <laughs> when we were when you refused to give those guys that knowledge that we cleared the bridge. I loved that part. <laughs> That's right. Barra got like a little petty, and every time I was just like, yes. <laughs> Me lip. <laughs> Uh, the I think it has to, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. The pleasure money was awesome. I, I think it has to be convincing the wasps to let him go because that was. I was like, ask again. I don't know. <laughs> this that has was, to happen because I cannot fight six giant six foot wasps. Yeah, with the freaking amount of heck we got from those uh, earwigs that were like a foot long. No, no six foot wasps. Uh, John, question: Did you expect her to negotiate with the wasps? No. No. Was she supposed to was were you expecting a fight there? I had I didn't have any solid plans about what it is that you were gonna do because again, I wrote this adventure before I think we even made the characters for it, if I'm not mistaken. Like I had a rough idea of yeah, bars with the academic underground, but like I didn't have any concretes on what your activity was gonna be or some of the things you did. Obi, do you have any favorite scenes? It's hard to remember back. I guess I'm liking when I discovered that firing a single shot worked better than firing <laughs> bursts. <laughs> Think, oh, wow. I thought more bullets would be great best. I mean, it's good because it does more damage and can hit more people, but it, it's not the precision kind of style that you were working towards. Once you got that assault rifle, though, you were just like, okay, now I can shoot. Yeah, I think uh, I think Arla needs to get a hold of a sniper because that totally fits his aesthetic too. Yeah, well, and the use of dynamite from the very beginning. Yeah, the- <laughs> Jason Voorhees is not dying. We're gonna blow him up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it usually doesn't work in the movie, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna have that weird heart eating stuff from Jason Goes to Hell or anything. I was like, <laughs> so he did. I still can't believe I called that from the sight of the birds out of character in character. Liblet had no idea, but I love that. I was like, so I think as soon as you described the birds, I was like, oh, it's like Kevin Bacon and Friday the 13th. Yeah, I, I wasn't even thinking about that initially when I like thought of it. And then I was like, oh, God, it is like Kevin Bacon and Friday the 13th. I was like, am I that hacky? It was perfect, though, because I don't think otherwise I don't think we would have realized what you were going for. So it ended up being perfect because I think my one of my favorites is still Bly giving Barra the the radio. That's one of my top ones. Just because oh, it was yeah. so heartfelt and cute. I know. I think it was fun every time Liblet was put on the spot in any sort of way, just because she <laughs> she's a Liblet. <laughs> but yeah, I hope we get to play him again because I'm gonna miss her. <laughs> Well, I mean, at this point, I think it's going to be more a question of whose story do we end up following first. And I think that's probably something that'll get left to fans slash Patreons. So I would say just, you know, if you're really interested in hearing one tale in particular, make sure you sign up for any tier on Patreon because every one of our Patreons gets to vote for what adventures we end up doing to a certain extent. (laughs) Otherwise, though, you know, you'll be hearing some more stuff coming from us pretty soon. and It'll be something entirely different. 
Do we have an email address people can reach us at? Absolutely. The email re- that people can reach us at is the real pl- is real play games podcast at gmail.com. Cool. Yeah. And keep in mind, no women read the email. So that's right. If, if you send me something <laughs> filthy, I might come kick your ass. <laughs> you just send it back. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll sign them up for a bunch of coupon sites. <laughs> I'm hey, look, if I'm not cutting audio, I'm being spiteful during the course of my day. So <laughs> who knows? I may have just saved you a bunch of dick pics. So hey, like I'll just I don't know. I'll send them to or, some other people I know. Like, wait, I, I gotta get to the bottom of this. Do you mean like like you're gonna make it like a catfishing account and then send people some dick pics? I might like, actually make a catfishing you? account and just like spoof them all like every single one of them and then have them all meet at the same place and just like leave a poster board with pictures of each of their dicks there. <laughs> I think that's a good con job for a long-term thing. I feel like there's a, an art installment somewhere in like a big collage of all the dick pics you receive. I'm pretty sure there is. I don't know. I hope I, I wouldn't want to make it. Yeah. I don't want to make it, but I'm sure it's a thing. It could yeah. be. I know Jillian Anderson does a, a peen and a vagine of the day some days. <laughs> does she get the gene um, pics is that uh, no, what well, she, she finds uh, objects and art that looks like a peen or a vagine and she just takes oh, pictures okay. of them and puts it on instagram and i love it because i was like i've never gotten a vagine pic like <laughs> i must not have it going on <laughs> <laughs> don't oh, worry I, i've never had a vagine pic either <laughs> see if we if this was an episode that would have been the name <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah please like don't send them. Addenda. <laughs> We're not asking for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Addenda, no pudenda, okay? What about if they follow in her footsteps and send you pictures of items that look like peens or vagines? That's fine. I'll just appreciate the fact that you took the time to send me an email. Yeah. We would appreciate it better if you, you know, draw fan art. I- yeah, yeah, fan art would be rad. We'll put it up on our Twitter, which is at RealPlayPod. <laughs> the social medias yeah like it's my big refrigerator yeah yeah because we'll love all the art unless yeah. it's peens and vagines yeah no peens and vagines in the art either no rule 34 <laughs> definitely not art stop. i'm getting too tired to record i think yeah we should probably cut this one off now folks but i want to thank each and every one of you not only you know my players for playing in this game i've had a lot of fun running it it was really enjoyable to do as our inaugural game but also everybody that took the time out to listen. It's just, it's wild to think that someone would appreciate the stuff I do enough to listen to it sequentially, especially. So thanks. It's really appreciated. I have to jump in one more time. I'm so sorry. Do it. Um, I was, I take notes because it's what I do. It says scrolling through my notes as we were talking, trying to find my favorite. And I did, I found what my absolute favorite part was. It was when Polly T gathers everyone around to pray to St. <laughs> I didn't know what you were saying at first for the name. So I didn't get it until the prayer started. I, I knew right away. Yeah, I know everyone else was laughing and I felt like I knew I wasn't getting it. Yeah. I I'm looked it up to right feel away. like the character's a little closer to me than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys are my friends. That means you've been dealing with this for years. <laughs> After the Bomb RPG and Megaverse are copyright and registered trademarks of Palladium Books and used with permission.
If you'd like to find out more about the After the Bomb RPG or any of Palladium's Megaverse role-playing games, you can find them at www.palladiumbooks.com. We here at the Real Play Games Podcast would also like to take a moment to thank Kevin Simbaida and everybody at Palladium Books for their encouragement, support, and willingness to give our little show a shout-out. It's very much appreciated, and we can only hope that you'll enjoy some of the other Palladium offerings we have to come in the future just as much, if not more so. Thanks again to Rally of the Forums of the Megaverse for inspiration and additional concepts. If you'd like to contact us at the pod, feel free to drop an email at realplaygamespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at realplaypod. If you'd like to help support the show and get access to earlier episode releases, vote on future campaigns, and enjoy other fun goodies, please stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash realplaygamespod. We also want to thank you listeners just for taking the time out to listen to this. It really means the world to us. And quite frankly, nobody on this podcast ever expected anyone to listen to it besides ourselves. So at this point, we hope you take care of yourselves until we see you again with new characters and a new story.